0: Today, I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. We're delighted to have you with us here at the Germantown campus. And can we, the Germantown campus, welcome our West Campus, our Appleton campus, and our online (laughs) campus today? We are a church that's committed to one, uh, uh, we're one church, multiple locations. And so uh, we believe that, that uh, the stained glass of the 21st century is video, and so this message is going live out to those locations uh, today. So again, we're glad to have you wherever you're joining us from, and if you have your Bible this morning, if you would turn with me to the book of Malachi, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, so if you go to Matthew, you can just turn left, and it's Malachi, not Malachi, it's not a drink at Starbucks, Okay. The jokes do not get better from here, I'm just going to tell you. Work with me, people. We'll get through this a lot faster. Um, we're in our series called Balanced, and we're talking about how, what God's Word has to say about our finances, about our resources. Last week we talked about debt. If you missed that, you can go to lifechurchwi.com, download any of the messages. They're going to be there for you. They're free, and uh, you can simply check that out. Today we're talking about what we do today. And what God's Word says about how we should, should uh, spend our finances today. We're going to spend two weeks on this particular portion of this series. Today we're going to talk about the, the power of giving and what the Bible says about that. Uh, next week we're going to talk about stewardship. How do you steward the resources that God's given you? And uh, so this week we'll kind of set that up for next week. And then we'll end on the last week of the series talking about generosity. And, and how do you develop that, and what does that do? Generosity does more than just, it's more than a financial thing. It does something to you spiritually. Uh, matter of fact, the financial piece of it is so minuscule that it's not really the, the, the focus of any of it. So again, I hope that you'll be back to continue on with this series. But today, as we talk about the message, and we talk about what we're doing with our finances today, um, it begins with a test, now, I don 't know if you remember back, maybe you just maybe you're in junior high or high school and you had this experience this past week, uh, maybe you're in college and you've had this of recent past, or maybe you just go back in your memory. But do you remember walking into class? And the teacher's saying, okay, students, take out your pencils, and uh, we're going to hand out the, uh, the multiple choice Scantron. Remember the Scantrons with the number two pencils? And you're going to begin to take a test, and immediately you go, test, what test? I totally forgot, do we have a test? And it just completely escaped you, the panic, the sheer, the terror that comes over you. Do you remember that feeling? Okay, that's not what's going to happen today. But, but when you say test, people just kind of freak out. But God's word speaks about this particular subject that we're going to talk about today, that it involves a test. And the test is simply this, that every single time you and I get paid from wherever we work and whatever we do, we get paid, we basically face a a test, if you will, according to scripture. And the test is, who am I going to thank for my income? And so We think MasterCard, we think Visa, we think American Express, we think the mortgage company, we think Ford Motor Company or GMC or Honda, we we think all kinds of people, but but the reality is, is that those entities don't have the power to give back or to bless you. The only one that does is God. And so there's a test that God talks about in Malachi chapter 3 and, and that's what we want to talk about today. Now Malachi is a great book. It's a, it's a minor prophet. He's a minor prophet in the Old Testament. And it's really a book about returning to God. And in the first chapter he talks about returning to God in your faith. In the second chapter he talks about returning to God in your family. And in, in the third chapter he talks about returning to God in your finances, which what we're going to deal with today. And in the fourth chapter it talks about God returning to us. And then in the very next book is Matthew chapter 1 where God shows up on the scene. It's an amazing book, an amazing read. But I really want to focus on Malachi chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen. But let's begin reading in verse 6. I, the Lord, God speaking to Israel here, the nation of Israel, do not change. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how am I robbing you? In tithes and in offerings, God says. Look at verse 9. For you are under a curse... You, you, the whole nation, because you are robbing me. Verse 10, so bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now look at the next word, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. This is the only place in scripture that God says you can test him. The only place. Interesting. We face a test, he faces a test. And see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much a blessing that there is not room enough to store it. I'll prevent the pests from devouring your crops. The vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. In verse 12, then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I want to walk through this passage. I want to say something at the beginning. If you've been attending Life Church for very long at all, you know that I have a real pastor's heart. Um, and uh, and I, love, I love the local church. I think nothing works like the local church works. I think the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is what Jesus loved. It's what Jesus gave his life to. It's who Jesus is returning for. And, and as a pastor, part of my responsibility is to serve up the bread of life, hot and fresh, according to John chapter 7, each week. To serve the seeker, those of you that are far away from God that are looking. So you're kicking tires on this thing called faith in Jesus and seeing what that's really all about. And those of you to build a believer. And th- that's my responsibility every single weekend. I don't get editorial privilege over God's word even any more than you do. So what that means is, is that I have to preach what, what the Bible would say, the whole counsel of the word. I can't just pick and choose what I want to preach based on my fancy. Um, because when you start talking about money, people get funny when you talk about money. And that's the reason why a lot of pastors don't deal with this subject, for two reasons. Number one, people kind of get anxious, and it's just kinda the, the oxygen goes out of the room, and everybody starts getting fidgety, like, is he going to take a special offering? Does he want more? You know, it's one of those give, Betsy give, the family got to live type of conversations. Any farmers in the room? Okay, you understand what I'm talking about. I was raised in Arkansas. And so and the other thing is, is, that, is that you just don't want to offend people. And here's what I found in, in 11 plus years of pastoring at Life Church. The only people that I offend on the subject of tithing are people that don't give. And the people that don't give, they don't give not because they're not Christ followers, they don't give because they're just stingy, crusty Christians that don't want to deal with this part of the Bible. Whoa, he just said that. It's the truth. And so here's my philosophy. Don't please, I'm not trying to be mean. But. I'm not trying to to be offensive to anybody, but I'm not going to allow myself to be kind of marginalized on this subject because there's a few crusty Christians that really have an issue with God, not an issue with me, and with his word, not really an issue with me, to keep everybody else from really receiving a a teaching that I think can transformatively change your life and help you, especially in the area of your finance. And so that's the reason why I choose to preach a message like this. So tithing is not a, a, a message or a subject matter that's up for debate with me. I can theologically wrangle with you on this subject and I think I'll win. I'm not trying to be arrogant but I'm just I just think it's biblical and I'm gonna walk you through that. But at the same time, what you do with this message is between you and God. I like I said at the beginning of the series, I'm not taking up faith promises. I'm not asking for a commitment. I'm not taking a special offering. I'm simply giving you truth and what you do with that truth is up to you whether you live in Appleton whether you live in the western suburbs of Milwaukee whether you live in Washington County or Ozaukee County whether you live in Milwaukee County it's up to you but my responsibility is to serve up this truth hot and fresh so that you understand it and from there it's between you and God does that make sense great all right so i want to walk through this passage in verse 6 the first thing he says is that god says i Change not. I think it's so interesting on this particular subject matter that he makes this statement I change not. Because he's about to uh, unpack probably one of the most infamous verses on the subject of tithing that will ever be preached and communicated. And God puts kind of a stake in the ground and says, Look, I don't change. I didn't change yesterday. I don't change today. I don't change tomorrow. So he's tethering that statement about himself, of his identity, and of his character to this conversation. Now, here's what's interesting: giving to God and honoring him as your source doesn't change. During, before, or after the Old or New Testament. Tithing was given to us, and the book of Deuteronomy records it in chapter 26 specifically, is to bring the tithe. I'm going to explain more about tithing in a minute, minute, but it's a principle of giving. And and God gave this to the nation of Israel, to his people. And you go, well, hey, we're not Israelis, and we're not Jews, so why are you talking to us about this? Because in the book of Galatians, Paul speaks to the church in Galatia and says, because you and I have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we've now been grafted into the vine, into the lineage of the nation of Israel, so that every promise that God gave to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament and the New Testament is ours. Every benefit that he gives to them is ours. There are times where God specifically speaks to the nation of Israel. I understand, i.e. in the book of Revelation, he talks about the 144,000 that he will come back for, specifically the Israelites, the the, the Jews that are left, that are a remnant. However, Every promise in the book, because the law is fulfilled in Jesus, when we accept Jesus, we accept the fulfillment of the law. We find the freedom of the law. We get the benefit from the law. Thus, when anytime you're reading in Scripture, the nation of Israel, the blessings of the nation of Israel, when God's speaking to Israel, he's speaking to his people, and you and I as the church of Jesus Christ are his people today. That's why the New Testament was written from the Old Testament, but it was given. And so with the giving of this law was the instruction to tithe, to honor God with the first fruits of your income. Tithe means 10, 10% to bring that to God. So as you receive income, regardless if you were paid in chickens and eggs and goats and cattle or dollars and cents, or heck, if you were paid in, in Skittles and M&Ms, whatever your currency of trade is, right? It doesn't really matter to God. At the end of the day, we honor God with that. So People get really hung up on this, but let me help you understand this. Before God instituted the law through Moses, as recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 26, 2,500 years before the law, in the book of Genesis chapter 4, we see the two sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, brought tithe first fruits unto God. The Bible says that Abel brought the first of his harvest. And Cain brought some. Abel honored God. Cain gave God the leftovers. God accepted Abel's gift, Genesis chapter 4, and God rejected Cain's gift. Why? Because God doesn't care about the amount of what you do, it's the attitude of your heart. You have to understand this God doesn't need your money or my money. The church doesn't need your money or my money. Let's rewind the tape on that. <laughs> because I take a lot of offerings, right? So contrary to popular opinion, the church does not need your money or my money. What happens though, is when we do this, we practice this principle, it releases something supernaturally into our lives and naturally into our resources. And God wants us as a father to his child. He wants us to be blessed. And so he accepts Abel's, rejects Cain because Abel offered him the first fruit, the tithe. Cain offers him some. Cain gets mad at Abel, kills his brother Abel, which is the first murder in in, in the history of humanity, and God deals severely with Cain. You go 2,000 years later, 500 years before the law, Abraham brings tithe and gives tithe unto God as an act of worship and honor unto him as being the one who gave him this great promise that he would be the father of a great nation. 400 years before the law, Jacob... Uh, ties unto God because of the fact that he is honoring God for the blessings of God in his life. So that we have three different instances in scripture where this happens. Let me help you why why that's important. Again, I don't mean to be deeply theological, but I just want to give you some things. You cannot build a doctrine or a teaching on one reference in scripture. You can take the Bible, completely take anything out of context and make it say what you want it to say. But when you find it with at least three different instances in scripture, you develop a precedent which can then in turn be interpreted into a doctrine if you'd like to. And so what's interesting to me is that we have three separate instances in scripture prior to the law being instituted where we see tithing, giving, first fruits, honoring God, this whole concept is shown in three different generations at three different time spans. It says to me that this is the heart of God and that God's honored in this and he wants us to show to see that. Then we see when God gives Moses the law, as is recorded in Genesis uh, excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter twenty six, that then the law is instituted, and that means we have to obey it, is what that basically in essence kinda like the law says you cannot drive faster than sixty five miles an hour on the freeway. And we all obey that, don't we? No. Okay. It's the law though. So people go, okay, I'm cool with that. I get it, the Old Testament. This is the Old Testament concept. So it just kind of ends with the Old Testament, right? Contrario, mo frere. Sorry, it doesn't work like that. Jesus instructs us to do this. Look at Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Jesus says to the religious leaders of the day, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you pay tithe of spices. So they're paying tithe off the amount of salt and pepper that they're partaking. Seriously, okay, this is literal. But you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, which are justice, mercy, and faith. You ought to have done, these you ought to have done, without leaving the others undone. Jesus is saying this. Look, the law says that you need to tithe. We get that. But the law also addresses the issues of justice and of mercy and of faith. And what you're doing, religious leaders in the first century, is that you're keeping part of the law the letter of the law, but then you're also neglecting the spirit of the law, which is the justice, the grace, and the mercy part. And Jesus says, I'm not telling you to do away with the tithing, with, 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 with the letter of the law, but I am telling you that you don't need to do, it's not an either or, it's a both and, but you don't get to do away with justice, mercy, and grace just because you tithe. The same way you don't get to do away with tithing just because you deal with justice, mercy, and grace. Why does Jesus ad- address this subject? This is great reason, because every church of uh, people that call themselves Christ followers typically fall into one of two camps: grace people, mercy people, truth people, law people. Some of you, when someone does sin or does wrong, the law people go, "They need to pay the price. There's a price to be paid. You don't act like that. You don't do that. I mean, your concept of God is a little bit like the Lamb's Book of Life, where everybody's name that's recorded that's going to heaven. It's not really a, a permanent marker. It's more like a chalkboard and an eraser, okay? Because it's law. It's gets this way, and this needs to happen. And and so if the Bible says that we do it, and got it. Then there's others of you that your mercy, your grace, people. Oh, gee, shut. What? Golly, gee, Wally. Can't we just all, all get along? I mean, yeah, they messed up, but let's just give another chance. And the law people are going, no, there has to be a price to be paid for their sin. And they taught like that, for their sin, right? It's <laughs> the reason why Jesus taught, the Bible says, he taught in truth and in grace. It's a dynamic tension. Honestly, my job is managing tensions. When I preach, I'm managing the tension. I've got law people in the room, and I've got grace people in the room. And then I've got people that, that are lost Like a a ball in high weeds. And the reality is, is Jesus says, look, grace people, mercy people, you don't get to do away with this. Just because, gee whiz, Wally, can't we all just get along theology? And law people, just because you keep the letter of the law, you need to make sure that you're keeping your heart right before the Lord. Because justice, mercy, and faith are also very important. Just as important as you tithing, even to the extent of tithing on your spices. Paul goes on to talk about percentage giving to the church in Corinthians. and 1 Corinthians, or to the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, he says, now about the collection up for the Lord's people, talking so about offering, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, so there's the first fruits part of it, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Percentage giving. Again, the tithe. Bottom line is God's word is true. And when you honor God with the tithe, he will bless your finances. Now I want to go on to verse 9. He says, he talks about this word curse, which really freaks us out, especially in spiritual. Especially if you've been watching movies you shouldn't be watching about the occult and stuff. But this whole word curse, you go like, I mean like, am I bringing like demonic activity into my life? Look at it again in verse verse number 9. He says, you are under a curse. Because you are robbing me in tithes and offerings. okay? So you're under this curse. What does he mean by this? Here's what you need to understand. According to Genesis chapter 3, when sin comes into the world and God deals with sin, he curses. Sin brings a curse into the world and God pronounces that. So we are born on this planet onto a curse of sin, disease, and death. And part of that curse, read it in Scripture, is poverty. Poverty is a curse, the Bible says, very clearly, declarative statement, no questions. And it's all part of the fallen, jacked-up, flawed nature of man. Now, don't beat up on Adam and Eve too bad. If you and I were there, we'd make the same mistake. It's It's human nature. It doesn't mean that it's okay. It just means that it's who we are. So when he's speaking of a curse here, what he's saying is simply this. Is that when you don't honor God with tithing, you don't allow God to redeem the area of your resources in your life. Thus, your resources are under a curse unless you invite God into partnership with you to bless your finances. So, okay, so everybody's like, okay, let 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 me talk to you about it spiritually. We are all born into sin, we are all sinners who need to be saved. The convicting power of the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins and draws us unto God. We see the truth of who Jesus is, and according to Romans 10, 9, and 10, we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is, and we become saved. Saved from what? From ourselves, from our sins, and saved unto God. God redeems us from the curse. The curse of what? Of sin and of Death. Jesus also says, according to Isaiah 53, 5, that by his stripes we are healed. So that physical healing, the healing of disease that we have, that we have that through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are redeemed. James says, if there's any sick among you, call the elders of the church, anoint them with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and lay hands upon them, and they shall be made whole. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin, for your death, and for your disease. Okay? Okay. God says this, when you honor me with the tithe, the curse over your finances that are imposed upon this world in which we live in is lifted. Which means God can do more with your 90% than you can do with your 100%. And God says, if you'll trust me in this area, and if you will honor me in this area, then you will be blessed. We're going to talk about that in just a second. If you don't, then your finances remain cursed. So here's the deal. It's not about God imposing a curse upon you. It's about God coming and saying, look, this is what you were born into on this planet. I want to lift this from you and redeem this this area of finance in your life and blessing in your life. I want to redeem that. If you will but honor me in this area, I can. It's a way that we honor God. So so let let me define tithing for you real quick. Tithe means giving 10% of your income to God. It's really simple. Tithe means 10. And I know it's kind of a spiritual term. We don't really use that word really secularly much. But it means to give 10% of your income to God. Now, why did God not just set a fixed amount? Why did he do it on a percentage? Great question. Here's the reason why. Because it was a fixed amount, there would be people that could not afford to tithe. Today, we have a group of men uh, that uh, have left for, uh, for, for Cuba. Matter of fact, I just prayed with them before the service. And they're going to a nation that basically is where people, because of the control of the government, make $12 a month. And matter of fact, in the church in Cuba, if you don't tithe, they excommunicate you from the church. If anybody should have a hardship escape, it would be them. 12 bucks a month. And so the reality is is that if it was, if God said, okay, everybody's got to give 10 bucks a week, they're out. They don't make that kind of money. Do you understand? But because he says it's a percentage of what you do, everybody can do that. And here's the misnomer people go, well, if I made more money, I could tithe. No, let me help you with this. If you cannot tithe 10 bucks on 100, you'll never tithe 10,000 on, on $100,000. You are kidding yourself. Seriously, go to Lowe's, get a ladder, and get over it. I'm just telling you. Tithing is is an issue of your heart. It's not an issue of dollar amount. And and, and this is the whole thing about it. It it doesn't matter. Let me help you with this, too, because sometimes I think we think, well, if I give more to the church, then God will bless me more. No, it's not how it works. God set this up this way so that everybody could do it, and it was a test for every single person, and it becomes reflexive. As God blesses you more, that you give more. If you're not as blessed as much, then you don't give as much. So the guy who makes a quarter million dollars a year and, and, and doesn't tithe, which would be $25,000, but gives $15,000 a year to the church... As opposed to the person who makes $30,000 a year and they honor God and they tithe and they give their three, God says that the person that gives $3,000 a year is is more blessed and God will honor them more than the guy who gives five times the amount. Why? Because God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need my money. What he wants is our heart. Do you remember when Jesus and the disciples are going to the synagogue on the Sabbath and on the way out he kind of does a holy huddle, just kind of a spiritual time out and says, hey guys, come around. Did you just see the widow who put two mites into the offering plate? And the disciples are like, you know, what's the big deal with this? Like, who cares, really? I mean, it's not even worth a penny. That was the value, the currency of it. And Jesus said, I want you to understand, she gave more than the richest guy in the room. She gave more than anybody else today. She gave more than we gave, is what he was saying. Because she gave all that she had, she didn't just give some. It's heart. And that's why I'm saying to you, this is not a dollar amount. This is not about that. This is not about writing a fat, nasty check to the church. You can't buy your way into God. It's about God saying, I will redeem the curse. I will bless you if you will bring the tithe. And so the ultimate question is, do you trust God? The ultimate question is, do you think that you can do better on your own without God's blessing with your t- 100% than you could with 90% of your income and honoring God with 10%? That's the question that we, that we face. So tithing then is a test. Tithing is a, is a test. Look at it in verse 10. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. This is the only place in scripture that God says you can test him. That's it. It's in this particular area. Why? Because it's a test on your part. Do you really trust God and do you trust his word? Because I'm telling you, it doesn't matter whether you get paid in dollars, cents, pounds, squid. It doesn't matter how you get paid. And, and, and at the end of the day, however you receive currency, it's yours. And there's this mindset that it's mine. And so God says, I want to test you. And I want to see if you'll trust me in this particular area, in this physical area in your life that you can touch, taste, see, and smell. If you will test me in this area. And also you're, you're being tested, but God says, you can test me and see if I won't bless your life. The word 10 in Scripture is, has, has a value that represents testing in the Bible. Uh, theologians and scholars, I don't have time to go into all this, but, but, but there are, are, are numbers have meaning. So the number 6 is the number of man, i.e. 666, the mark of the beast. The number 7 is the is, is number for perfection or for completion, i.e. and 7th day God created the world in 7 days. Uh, and so 7th so is that, that number. The number 10 is a number that represents testing. And so that's the reason why God chose, I believe, the tithe, the the, this tenth. It's, it's, it's a test. It's a test to God. It's a test to us. Look, listen to this. How many plagues did God send upon Egypt when the nation of Israel were leaving to go to the promised land? Ten. How many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? Ten. How many commandments are there? And those are definitely tests. Ten. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness on the way to the promised land? Ten times. How many times were Jacob's wages changed? Ten how many days was Daniel tested? 10. How many virgins were tested in, the, in, in Jesus' parable in Matthew chapter 25? 10. How many days of testing will there be mentioned or, or are there mentioned that will be in, the, in Revelation? 10. How many disciples are there? 12. I was just testing you, okay? <laughs> but I told you it's not getting better. Tithing is a test. It's a test. It's a test of your heart. Do you trust God as your source? It, and it's the only place that you can test God. And if you want to see God's power and his blessing work in your life, in your business, and in your finances, I'm telling you, partnering with God and trusting him in this area is the greatest thing you'll ever do. And it's the biggest t- test that you'll face. So how do you tithe? Real quick. First of all, you bring it. You don't give it. You bring it. You don't give it. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, he says, bring the whole tithe. It's interesting he says whole. Because we kind of like to, because people go, what well, do I tithe on the... Net or on the gross. And the joke is, it's not really a joke. Do you want to be blessed on the net or on the gross? That's kind of between you and God. But he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And, and here's the reality. I bring it to God because it's his. It belongs to him. He gave me the strength in my body, the, the power in my brain, the, the skills, the abilities to do everything that I have to do. He is the, the author and the finisher of life, the Bible says. So it's his. And all that I have is his. And all he asks is for me to honor him in this area. It's kind of like with your kids. You don't tell them to give you the remote. I mean, you don't tell them to. You 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 don't. They don't give it to you. They bring it to you. You 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 don't ask them. Hey, would you you know? Would you give me that? No 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 no. It's not your remote. It's my remote. Bring it to me right now. Bring it to me. You know, I tell this 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 story when when Ava, my youngest, was was. Um, she was about 5, 6, and we were on a daddy-daughter date, and, and it was, you know, some Disney movie. I don't even remember. It was just the music was, da, 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 right? Prince comes in on the steed, and happily ever after, and blah, 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 blah. And, oh, Dad. And it's all those kinds of deals. And so, you know, so there she is in her booster seat there in the theater. And again, this is like whatever you want to watch. And, and I've got Anna on one side and Ava on the other side, and they're just looking at the screen. Of course, I'm feeding them, right? That's my love language. And that's one of my spiritual gifts is food. So get whatever you want. Your mom's not here. I don't care. Do you want a 44-ounce Coke? Got it, right? And so we're sitting there, and I'm not eating anything, and I lean over to her, and she's just, eyes are just like, and, and eat the popcorn and, and the thing and they got Skittles and I love Skittles I, I like sugar, anyhow, s- surprise so, um, so I just said hey, uh, let me have a few of those Skittles no Ava, seriously I'm not joking, let me have a couple of those Skittles, no and she says the words, they're mine it's all like Donkey Kong now, right because I'm saying to myself self, I think I drove your rear end over here (laughs) in my car with my gas that I pay for with my money, with clothes on your back that I pay for with my money, and I brought you to the theater that I paid for the tickets, and I bought you that Route 44 drink right there, and that large popcorn, and that bag of Skittles. They're mine. I'm just allowing you to enjoy them for a moment. (laughs) Don't give it. You better bring it, girl. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I could go and I could buy all the Skittles right from the concession stand and rain Skittles on you. You could taste the rainbow for days, (laughs) weeks, months, yea, verily, even years. And I'll hunt once a few Skittles. That's how we act sometimes when it comes to the things of God. And in the area of tithe, God says, don't give it to me, you bring it to me. It's not yours, it's mine. It's an attitude of my heart. Where do we bring it? We bring it to God's house, not to my house. Take it to God's house, not my house. Verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is, is and that time, it was taking it to, to, the, um, to the place where they were bringing the sacrifice. Bring it to the temple. And, and, so, and he says that there may be food in my house, says the Lord, so that there may be resources. And so the reality is, is that we're to take the tithe and we're to bring it where? To the local church. And so that's what provides all the resources that we have. That's what pays to keep the heat on. That's a good thing in Wisconsin in the wintertime. That's what pays for the seats, and that's what pays for toilet paper in the bathroom, and pays for the water bill, and the electric bill, and it pays for all that we do. It even pays, because some people get, get funky about this, it pays for salaries for ministries. Well, again, that's an Old Testament principle. The, the, the nation, the, the tribe of Levi, which is one of the 12 tribes of, of the nation of Israel, were priests. They were, the tribe, they were the tribe of Aaron. And they were to be instructed that they were to maintain and receive their income based on a portion of what would come into the temple. But that God was very specific about what they were to have and what he was to have. And God apportioned that, but that their, that their, their sustenance for their life, for their families, was... The resource for that came from the tithe that was brought. Whether it was birds that were sacrificed or lambs or bulls, that's, that's how God took care of his priests. And the same way today, that's exactly what happens. Now, we have a, we, you know, as, as do any church with, with integrity, we have a, a board of elders and they oversee all of that and the finances and so forth and so on. And they're people from, uh, from the church of, of, of Christian character and leadership. And, and so they're watching and overseeing all of that to make sure that things are done in a correct manner, in a godly manner, in a God-honoring manner. And so, so the reality is, is that there's checks and balances that are there, but this is no different. And that's what he's saying, bring it to my house. That's why if you're here today from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you're visiting a friend, you don't need to tithe here. You need to give. You need to tithe to the local church that you attend. And you probably never heard a pastor say, "Don't give." I'm telling you, if you don't, if you're a first time guest and you're just saying, "Hey, we might be coming to this church." Wherever your home church is, that's where you need to tithe. If you've decided that your home church is at Life Church, great, then begin to tithe here. But if you're still connected, committed, or a member of another church, you need to hold your tithe, not for yourself, it's not yours, it's his, but you need to take it to that storehouse. That's where it belongs, the local church. And, so, 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 and, and that's there, so it provides ministries, resources, and so forth and so on. Now, I want to end with this. When you practice and when you honor God with this principle of tithing, God's word says that there are blessings that come with tithing. There are blessings that come. And if you attend Life Church very, very often, you'll hear me pray when we receive the tithes and the offerings. I will pray these couple of verses that I'm just going to walk through with you real quick. And I'm reminding God, because God's bound by his word, by the principles and promises of his word, that this is what you said, God, and I'm asking that you'll perform it. There's power in the spoken word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. And we began to speak in faith. Hebrews chapter chapter 11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We are speaking things that are not as though they are. I'm speaking the blessings of God over your life, which is powerful. Because they're not my words, they're God's words. And remember, this is the only place he said that we can test him. He says, first of all, you will be blessed when you tithe. You'll be blessed when you tithe. This isn't name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. This isn't some hyper-charismatic Pentecostal theology of of prosperity. It's what he says. Look at it in verse 10. If you tithe, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much a blessing that there's not room enough to store it. So when you honor God in that way, what you do is you redeem your resources and your finances from the curse and you allow God to put his blessing on it. Real simple if you don 't need any more blessing that 's fine, but if you want God to bless what you 're doing, then you do what he 's blessing many times as Christians, we pray, God bless what i 'm doing and, and no 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 let 's do what he 's blessing and then we 'll be blessed. The Bible says when we tithe that we receive that blessing. I even say this to you too if you 're because tithing's a big deal' it's a, it's, it, it, it 's it's, it's a big step, but if you are taking that step, if you 're kind of kicking t- tires on that and you're a Christ follower, and you're a regular attender uh, here at Life Church. I would say to you, uh, on your communication card, write 90-day challenge, write 90-day test, and, and you'll get a letter from me this week, and we'll follow up, and what you do is for the next 90 days, test God in this. Test Him. Tithe for 90 days. If in 90 days you don't see a marketable blessing of God in your life, then all you got to do is, no questions, I promise you, no questions, no anything, just say, Aaron, I don't see it, I don't get it, I want my money back. I don't think this thing works. I think this is just something that you've made up and that you've taken scripture out of context and blah, 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 blah. No questions. Boom, there it is. Are you pretty confident in that? Yeah, because it's God's word. It's not my word. I didn't write the book. It's his word. And so when we do that, he will bless us. And I want you to have that blessing on your finances. Some of you are struggling in your finances because you're trying to do it on your own. You're not involving God and he wants to bless you. Secondly, your work will be blessed. Your work will be blessed. Look at verse 11. Now remember, these are an agricultural people. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. The co-op can't do that for you. I mean, I I was raised in in Arkansas in farming communities, and I'm just telling you, he's speaking there. Look, I will do what any pesticide cannot do, and, and, and I will prevent the weather from, from destroying your crop crops so that fruit won't drop to the ground before it's ripe before it's ready. If you honor me in this area. That's your work. That's the jobs that you work. That's the people that you work for. The, 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 the companies that you own. The companies that you work for. The people that work for you. That God will bless that. We spend more time and energy in our day and in our week and our jobs and, and, than anything else that we do. And again, before sin entered the world, God gave a job. God gave Adam a vocation. Adam's job was to have dominion over the earth, and he was to name every creature on the planet, and he was to rule and reign the planet. That was his job. And then sin came into the world. So your job, there's nothing wrong. Your job and your desire to work and your desire to receive benefit from your work is a God-given. It's the way the creator created you and I to do. And so when we honor him with the tithe, we're saying, thank you, God, for my job. Thank you, God, for my vocation. Thank you, God, and that God will bless that. Does that mean you'll never get fired? No. Does that mean that you'll never be a downturn in your life? No. What it does mean is that when downturns come and when the pink slips comes, God has another plan and that he will sustain you and that he will bless you. And it, does it mean that you're never going to have a bad boss? No. It means, though, that God will give you strength to get through that. And that if you remain faithful in the little thing, God will make you ruler over much. And he will continue because the Bible says promotion does not come from the east or from the west, but from heaven above. And some of you believe this is all like good ship, lollipop, you know, que sera, sera. Aaron, I'm so glad that you live in this dreamy little world where it just kind of works like this. But Monday through Friday, that's not how it works. I'm just telling you, read the book. I didn't write it. It's what God's word says. That he will sustain you. That he will keep you. That he's in control. Look, he's either God or he's not. And the last blessing is, is that your testimony will be blessed. God will bless your testimony. This is important. Galatians, I mean, excuse me, Malachi 3.12. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. The reality is, is that God will bless you in such a way that other people will see the blessings of God on your life. And they'll go blessed. One of the greatest examples of this, that we as human beings still want this in our life, is the Olympics that we're watching. Russia has gone through unrealistic attempts to try to appear to the world of how the powerhouse and the prosperity and the blessing that they have. Social media has kind of deconstructed a lot of that, But the reality is, is why would people go? Because they want to be seen as powerful as blessed. They want to be seen as a a, a land that's delightful that all the nations call blessed. That's the reason why America has had that for so long. You don't think it's by accident that we put in God we trust on our currency, do you? Because our founding fathers realized if we want to invoke the blessing of God on our life and and upon what would be called mammon, which is spiritual, natural money and resource, we we better ask God to come and bless it. We may not live like that today, but that's how we got to this place. And so that's the power behind the tithe. That's the power behind the blessing. So today you and I have a choice to test. Am I going to trust God or am I going to not? I want to end today's message, and I want you to see just kind of a real short video from Bert, who's a Life Church attender, a Life Churcher, as I would say, from the West Campus and to kind of share his story, his testimony about tithing. Check this out.
1: My name's is Bert. I've uh, been coming to Life Church for about a year now with my wife, Allison. Uh, we just moved to Wisconsin about a year and a half ago and settled in nice here. And uh, a little after we moved here, I thought I was going to have an easy time finding a job, but uh, it turned out to be more difficult than I thought. So I. Um, After about six months of being unemployed here, I really started to challenge myself on tithing with just what I had. I had no money of my own coming in, so I was just tithing 10% of what my checking account was at the time, and just in the the hopes, not in the hopes, but in faith that uh, I would be able to find a job. And so eventually I did find a job. It wasn't the job I wanted or was hoping for, but I, I found a an hourly job that was 40 hours a week, and uh, I was able to get a paycheck out of that. You know, I was in a moment where I really, I needed something from God, I needed this job. And uh, it was just put on my heart that I should bring some form of sacrifice, something to offer up, some, some faith to lay on the line to get this job. So even though I didn't have money coming in, I knew that if I gave that 10%, God would just open the floodgates of heaven on me, like He says He was, and you know I'd seen it at past times in my life. I knew it, the potential was there, and I just really felt it on my heart that, you know, if 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 I really wanted God to come through for me, that I had to to take a step of faith out. And after some time being in that job, I I wanted more. It, you know, I felt I was called to do more, so I began to tithe more than my 10% every week and uh, just again in faith that I'd be able to move up, find something better and uh, probably within a month of doing that I was able to get my next promotion at work. After reevaluating my tithing, I was tithing what I was getting on my paycheck and not what I was actually earning, meaning that I was tithing what I got after taxes and not before taxes and I really felt that God was putting it all my on my heart that that wasn't my first 10% you know it was my second 10% that I was bringing in the tithe so uh, you know just out of response to getting the promotion is when I started to to tithe the first 10% and wouldn't you know uh, two months after that I got another job offer and uh, When I went to my employer and told him, hey, you know, I got this other job offer, I think I might take it. Uh, My employer offered me a counter offer that uh, was something that I really wanted and I wound up taking that. And just, you know, through all of this, every time that I tried giving, out giving God, I was never able to, no matter how hard I tried, God always outgave me in the end, whether it was, you know, in, in a job, in salary, or just in, you know everyday living, just I'm to the point now where finances are something I really don't have to worry about. If I were to encourage someone in there who's debating whether or not they should tithe, I would say uh, take the, the step of faith. It is a step of faith, you are giving up 10% of the 100% that you make, but take that step of faith. Either we believe what God's word says or we don't, we can't pick and choose what parts, and God's word is very clear that. If you bring the 10%, he will provide everything that you need.